Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to Flock Tales, where we drink and talk about... Oh, no, wait. Okay, stop. Stop. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flock Tales. <laughs> <laughs> where we drink and talk about birds, mostly. I'm <laughs> Jen <Yeah>. Schneiderman. <laughs> I'm Kristen Frunk, and I'm not singing my name. <laughs> I'm Ashley Ola. <laughs> And I'm Maya Pershy. And we're your four resident bird nerds. And today we're talking about female song, which is why I sang the intro. It was lovely. It was amazing, Jen. It was beautiful. It was probably not, but thank you for humoring me. No, it was great. You nailed the mood. Oh, I mean, Jen, there are songbirds that are technically songbirds that have very not pretty songs so it's okay hey man beauty is in the eye of the ear ear of the beholder ear of the beholder yeah i mean we already talked about some birds with some really interesting songs a couple episodes ago we did we did um also, it does need to be said that Kristen forgot her microphone in her house. <laughs> Damn. Speaking of having good acoustics. <laughs> it happens. Yes. We have to chastise you a little bit because I forget things all the time. And if I don't chastise myself, then how am I going to learn? <laughs> We're just being helpful. That's fair. I appreciate the chastisement. Chastisements? Yes, Is that the word? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It sounded weird when it started coming out of my mouth. I was just thinking of a chastity belt. So. <laughs> Sorry. Don't be. Oh, yeah. Sorry's a swear. Fuck. Yeah. I think if we ever did have a swear jar, that sorry should be like the most expensive word. Yes. Oh, completely. Mm-hmm. We do have a swear jar. It's just we're not keeping track of it. Yeah. It's a mental swear jar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you know what you did. <laughs> Karma. <laughs> Way on your soul. But... It, is us swearing good karma or bad karma? Oh, it depends what we're swearing at, right? Mm-hmm. I guess. Certain swears are real good karma. Uh-huh. Sorry is a bad karma. Sorry's not one, though. Yeah, sorry's mm-hmm. is never good. <laughs> Unless you're actually apologizing for something horrible that you did to someone, then maybe it's okay. Mm, Do you sense. ever end up doing something, I don't want to say stupid, but like you just weren't paying attention while you're driving and then you like cut someone off and you feel like an asshole even though you didn't mean to do it on purpose yeah and then you think about it for the rest of the day and you're like and you wish you could person. just apologize to them yes but you can't right it's terrible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's rough especially when they glare at you yeah that's no good yeah, yeah. Or when you're know. like Everyone doing turns- whatever you're doing and they think that you flipped them off and you didn't and you're like, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> there's no way to undo it. And then you're like on the highway together and you're next to each other for like a whole day. And oh my God. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Story I of my like summer. Happened to you, Maya. Oh no. Yeah, I know. It's rough. <laughs> Harsh. 
harsh. Oh, well. <laughs> I swear I was just picking my nose. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, couldn't like roll down my window to tell him because he was really pissed. And like, oh. Just stop picking your nose and it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. But like, hard to do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't break the habit. Picking your nose, biting your nails. Those are the two things that just... Everyone can't break that habit. Yeah. Once you start. Yeah, completely. Like, there is no way to unlearn that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why I see adult human beings on the bus that still pick their noses and then, like, look at it. No, no. Yeah. Mm -mm. Real gross. Do they eat it? No, they better not. Did someone just ask if they eat it? Yeah. Yeah, do they? Um, One person that I saw... <gasps> That's no! gross. on public transportation where the whole world can see you. Yes. yes. That's gnarly, man. It's real gross. Ugh. Yes. Okay, okay, but wait. Okay. Is that better or worse than wiping it on the bus seat? I feel like mm. it's better. Mm. Right? No, it's like more contained on the bus seat. It's yeah, like grosser to that's... see, but it's better in the long run it's a better outcome right like, <laughs> no one else is going to sit on your booger if you ate it right but right. if you wipe it on the seat like then you're exposing someone else to your nasty ass boogers <laughs> which especially right now is concerning yeah dude right. extra concerning in the times of roni yeah oh yeah i want to be nowhere like near how... anyone's boogers right now or ever yeah. but yeah. right now <laughs> <laughs> important distinction <laughs> yeah right well you have to make sure because otherwise people might like chase you around with their boogers and being like it's not roadie time oh my god oh, that's, <laughs> that's really gross like, this is, yeah some kindergarten <laughs> playground bullshit <laughs> you okay, that's so gross oh my god <laughs> I hate it so much, but for some reason it's reminding me of like us at Sex and Bug and Jen chasing me with her mittens. <laughs> I didn't pick my nose before I did that, I swear. I Wait, okay, but everyone in the winter does wipe their nose on their mitten. You know what I mean? And then they're like, oh, do yeah. you want to borrow my mitten? Are your hands cold? And you're like, mm, <laughs> I don't know. My hands are cold. But, like, do you keep your nuts on the Kleenex mitten. in your pockets? Like, I have Kleenex in my coat pockets to wipe you're my so nose with. You are actually a particularly prepared person. <laughs> I think most people are not. Under, I'm like imagining the streams of my winter coat. I use my gloves, <laughs> and then they get washed. Mm, okay, but you see amazing. so many people just like sh- like whole arm, whole hand, like yeah, that's I mean, me. yeah, Kristen, that's me. I've totally done that. I'm yeah. never borrowing anybody's gloves. <laughs> Don't None of y'all. They're nasty. <laughs> Fine, you just get your frostbite over there. <laughs> I will yeah. be prepared and have my own gloves and Kleenex. Wow, Ooh, and I actually is that a threat? You because you're like the most prepared person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Sometimes. no, like literally most always. times. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. pretty much all the time. <laughs> right. Oh my God. I okay. feel like every friend group has a mom, and Ashley is our mom. Mm-hmm. Well, no, because like. She's cooler than that, probably. Well, yes. Yeah, but moms like, are pretty moms cool. Moms can be cool. I love my mom. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I love my mom, too. Yeah. Ashley would definitely be a cool mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Ashley nods sagely. Yes. <laughs> yes, you will understand someday. <laughs> when you're older. Do you... Ashley, do you do you feel like you humor us and our unpreparedness for life, or do you just like watch the train wreck and go, "Wow, that's funny"? <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that is valid. Honestly, if I was like watching oh, my yeah. life like bird's eye view, I would be like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I mean, we found out last week that you fucking nailed a nail into a wall with a rock and smashed your fingers. <laughs> Okay, that's true. <laughs> okay, but Jen, I've done that though. Human beings were using rocks to do stuff way before we ever invented hammers or nails. So, I mean, I think Maya was just doing her innate human being thing. You're right. By grabbing a I'm rock. I'm sorry, Maya. Like, yeah. So, anyway, female bird song. <laughs> yes. Right, right, right. That is why we are here today. <laughs> So, also, I want to just say that this is our first episode that's about, like, a subject versus, like, particular birds or particular people. And I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a whole field of study versus just, like, like a few different species or a few different scientists. And I think that's pretty legit. But there are going to be people and scientists later. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're not excluding them. We're just, like, broadening the horizons. Definitely. Which I feel like this is also a good time to note that despite the fact that this is an entire field of study, this podcast episode will not be exhaustive on female song. There is so much that we're not going to cover. So highly recommend doing some more research after the episode if you're into it. There's a lot of cool work going on in this area right now. Yes. Including some citizen science work. We could point people in that direction at the end of the episode to get involved so you better listen to the whole thing is what i'm saying (laughs) like always (laughs) don't quit now we're about to start strong (laughs) you're doing so so good okay i'm gonna cover a little bit about bird song and then a little bit about female song so bird song like is beautiful and amazing and one of the like ways that people look for birds and try to id different species in the field But there are a ton of different reasons that birds do sing. Um, And my source for this is going to be the All About Birds website, which is from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. They have a great page of just like an overview of why birds sing. What we know about birdsong, a lot of it is derived from male birds because male birds tend to sing louder and more often and are easier to spot because they tend to be more brightly colored than females if they're sexually dimorphic, which means like if the males look different from the females, the males are oftentimes brighter colored. So they're like a little bit easier to study and because they sing louder and more often they can be like an easier portion of the bird population to study. Um, But they sing for all different kinds of reasons. Um, They will sing to like defend their territory. They'll sing to attract a mate. There's a distinction between songs and calls. Songs are like longer and are more structured tend to be more like communicative of quality of the bird as well as of the territory so like like different individuals will have like stronger songs or louder songs or clearer songs if they are more fit to like reproduce versus birds that are less fit to reproduce might sing not as well (laughs) do you think this is true in humans too (laughs) (laughs) 
like Pavarotti was just really virile. Yes, John Legend is like the most reproductively successful man. Well, I don't know about successful, but like, you know, he's ready. (laughs) The potential is there. (laughs) Yes. Man, I want to know if like Harry Styles is really potent now. Anyway. Important questions. Um, Yeah, right? Uh, oh, okay. This is just like a, this is not necessarily like about why birds sing, but it's more of like how birds sing, which I think is crazy. So birds don't have a vocal box like humans do. Um, they have what's called a syrinx instead of a larynx. And the syrinx is just this really awesome like contraption that birds have in their throats. So they can sing two notes at once, which is mind blowing. So they can harmonize with themselves. Yeah, so it's kind of like throat singing, but they can just like do it without any training, which is so fucking crazy to me. And they look so cute while they're doing it. Dude, I love watching birds sing because their whole body is oh, just like yes, vibrate. Yes. And so cute. Oh my god, it's the best. One of the other cool things is that like there's a lot of different studies that have been done on dialects of songs. So like throughout different parts of like continents or the world, um, the same species will have slightly different dialects of the same song and they recognize their own dialect as well as like somebody else's like another individual's dialect that they don't recognize and they'll go to wherever the song is that they don't recognize in the dialect that they don't recognize and will get real territorially defensive around that song mm-hmm. it's just really it's kind of fun also because um out in santa cruz there's golden crown sparrows which are such cute little buggers, but um, I was helping, I was I was helping Cody do my partner do a study um, for a, a class with golden crown sparrows using like different dialects and like going to the edges of bird territories and playing different dialects. And when they get really mad, instead of like singing super loud to like try and like be aggressive they'll just get really quiet and do their song insanely insanely quietly at the edges of their territories (laughs) but it just it's like kind of one of those like it reminds me of them just imagine them sitting there being like hey hey you i'm gonna come to your house i'm gonna (laughs) fucking kill you Right, like right yeah, on the border, yeah. like whispered through the window of some dude's house. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. like I'm gonna, I'm gonna find you when you're sleeping, and I'm gonna cut you. It's a very Liam Neeson moment there for the Golden Crown Sparrow. <laughs> I I know it was. It's so funny because so when you do that, when you like, if you like for this study we did, um, you could like play the dialect, and like at first they will sing really loudly at the edge of their territories to like try and scare off this intruder but um like yeah if you we we unfortunately like a couple of times let the recording play a little bit too long and they got really really quiet and like murdery <laughs> quiet murdery birds that's yeah. amazing are golden crowns the ones so i know some birds have like a deer enemies thing where like a territorial bird that shares a territory border with another yeah. bird will be like less aggressive toward its neighbor versus yeah. like some random stranger. That's one of those studies was with golden crowns, right? That sounds really yeah, familiar. Yeah, they 
they totally do that. So that was what we were like, like that was what we were looking for was like to elicit that territory response because like we looked at the difference. I'm pretty sure we, what we did was we looked at the difference between like their calls with and without like a strange dialect to like see what the different response was. Yeah, it's um, so it was cool. Really, yeah, so because like it was different, like it was less. I think it was like I forget what the sonograms look like, but it was like less loud for sure, and like mm. I don't know, less fury. It was less furious sounding when they <laughs> knew their, when they knew it was their like, um, the per like the other bird that usually had a territory next to them versus like a new a novel <laughs> individual. Like, oh, it's just Bob. It's fine. <laughs> I know him. He's cool. He's cool. He's cool. <laughs> we have a neighborhood rivalry. You know, we put our we put our holiday lights up, and we try and have a friendly competition. <laughs> yeah so those are a lot of the different reasons that um birds sing most of those are what we associate with like male birds singing but we're not talking about them this episode we're talking about female bird song um so for female song i'm switching my source to femalebirdsong.org which is just a really fucking cool collective of people that study female bird songs um yes their website is a treasure trove definitely mm -hmm. check it out yeah, absolutely. A lot of times when you hear birds singing, it's during, or when like we think of birds singing, it's during the breeding season, which it's true. Male birds like sing a ton during the breeding season. They're just like going at it the whole time. It's crazy. But female birds don't sing a lot during the breeding season. So we don't see it studied to the same extent necessarily. There's a ton of reasons that female birds sing. A lot of it can be like, cooperative breeding stuff um to where it's like the female and the male are communicating to each other um it can also be that like the female wants a to elicit a like particular response from a male that's more with calls versus songs so like red-winged blackbird females will like do different call notes to elicit like territorial defense from the males or like to bring them food or like to come sit on the nest for a little while so she can like <laughs> not sit on the nest for a minute. I just love the thought of a female bird being like, hey, bring me a sandwich over here. I've been incubating <laughs> for like eight hours. And they will also sing to uh, defend their territories as well. Um, and there's this is like kind of somewhat of a research like, well, I'm not going to say it's a research gap, but it definitely has less research than male song, which is kind of like exciting, but also frustrating because there's so much to uncover. But at the same time, it's like we've been studying bird song for literally hundreds of years. How has this not been more studied? Yeah. So basically, like you were saying, for a long time, we've put a lot of effort into understanding song but from a more male-centric perspective. And even beyond that, it's really a North American-centric perspective. Um, and I mean, even today with where we're at, there's still a huge bias in where we study animals. Like for the most part, we study animals in North America um, and also in Europe, like developed areas. Whereas so much, I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on in the tropics that we're like just kind of at the tip of the iceberg, figuring out what the hell is going on down there. <laughs> um, and so I feel like that's kind of why there's been this research gap about female song for such a long time. Um, Darwin was actually one of the people who put forward this idea of like female choice or what we call sexual selection now. Um, but yeah, so sexual selection is basically the idea that 
for the most part, females make choices about the desirability of males as mates, and then that kind of can subsequently determine the evolution of species, um, which is a really powerful idea, right? And puts a lot of emphasis on female choice, but that was actually one of the ideas that Darwin had that was the most criticized. Um, even Alfred Russell Wallace, who kind of co-discovered natural selection around the same time, like, totally disagreed with Darwin and thought that that idea was completely ridiculous. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he caught a lot of flack for that idea. What was Wallace's basis for, like, not supporting that? I mean, so, for the most part, I don't know about Alfred Russell Wallace specifically, but I know that basically a lot of men, or, like, scientists in general, didn't believe that female choice mattered or like that female choice was based on any actual material assessment of a male's like capacity to be a good mate classic (laughs) classic yeah (laughs) so there was this really great quote from one of these um all about birds articles from cornell from a german philosopher and psychologist carl gruss in 1898 (laughs) who in response to like darwin's theory of sexual selection Um, said that seldom or never does the female exert any choice. She is not the awarder of the prize, but rather a hunted creature. What What the the fuck? fuck? (laughs) Yes! Super bark! That's wild. But side note, I love like all of the outraged expressions on the screen right now. On our video chat. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, dude. such anger. It's really fucked up. Ugh. I bet you he was real popular with the ladies, wasn't he? (laughs) Well, they didn't have a choice, Jen. (laughs) He was probably married and had 14 kids. What do you bet? Ew. Ew. He had 14 kids? Ooh. No. No, I mean, I don't actually know that. That's just my guess. But, yeah. Okay. I know absolutely nothing about Carl Groose. Except that statement, which maybe is all we need to know. <laughs> yeah, I think right. you're right, Maya. Um, so in the meantime, uh, Margaret Morse Nice, our friend. Um, so yeah. she actually wrote a whole chapter about female song and song sparrows in 19-fucking-43. So she was already thinking about this. Um, and she said that females mostly sang early in the breeding season, which was actually confirmed later by like more modern study- studies that found that song sparrows were mostly singing during territorial conflicts with other females. Um, mm. And so, yeah, Margaret Morse Nice also noted a bunch of other species that sang, including mockingbirds, orioles, waxwings, cardinals. And I didn't, yeah, she covered a bunch of them. So from her observations, she knew that tons of females were singing, but nobody cared. <laughs> Just upsetting. That is very upsetting. But it's a baseline yeah. to work from. It's like foundational, which is cool. We care now yeah, is dude. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fast forward okay. to 1972. And there was like finally a little bit of a paradigm shift into people realizing that like, holy shit, wait, females are cool and they're super important. After this PhD student at Harvard, um, Robert Trivers, I think, um, wrote a paper basically proposing that because females, okay, so we all know, like, sexually, like, females produce the eggs, right? And males produce just, like, tons and tons and, like, shit tons of sperm. Mm -hmm. That's what happens? Yeah, dude. Uh Uh-oh. Did somebody not have that talk with you yet? (laughs) 
No, I didn't get the birds and bees talk. I just got oh, the bees talk. Spoiler alert. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so basically, because females can only produce so many eggs, right? Females have to be choosy about their mates because they have a lot more invested in reproduction than the males. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, because it came from a man, people were suddenly like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So interestingly, if you think about it, like the women's liberation movement kind of started in the 1960s, mm. like mm. human human women. <laughs> <laughs> Female songbird liberation. <laughs> <laughs> We're just yes. finally getting there. But yeah, so I feel like a lot of this actually stemmed from people being like, oh shit, like women should have rights and women are humans, uh, which I guess is cool. Probably we should have figured that out earlier, but whatever. Took it to the 60s only. It's fine. It's fine. We're over yeah, it. Yeah. We're not, not even so bitter. Bad. I mean, Definitely not Some bitter. of us are, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, counting how many rants about the fucking patriarchy I've had, like, today. <laughs> We've... We have definitely uh, had this rant before. So. <laughs> oh, so many times. It's an important one. It is. We should have kept, like, a little check, like, a tally tally count in our office we should mention we invited other lab mates into our office to like get out their rants about the patriarchy because yes. it was so central to our identity as an office i think also we were just so loud that people wandered in to see what we were all cackling and screaming about Somebody has to tell the epic story of Kasha just closing the fucking door. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't remember what we were talking about that day. Probably the Probably patriarchy. Probably the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> so we were ranting about the patriarchy so loud that one of our lab mates just came in and shut the door. Like, she didn't even work in our office. She worked across the hall and, like, came into <laughs> our room and shut the door for us. <laughs> it was helpful. <laughs> i'm pretty sure we laughed about it oh i'm sure we got louder we it's like kind of like when you're like seven and the teacher shuts the door and you're like Woo! like we got the teacher to shut the door <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh right okay, Ooh, okay. so anyway sorry you were talking <laughs> most of the like hype around female song became like it kind of started in the 80s But it seemed like it didn't really, like, get mainstream until, like, the mid to late 1990s. And around that time, scientists were really interested in understanding, like, the purposes of duetting. So, like, when a male and female pair members sing together, usually in some kind of coordinated way. But then also in, like, solo female singing. Mm. And there's one really awesome paper from 1998 that, like, discussed different possibilities of why females were singing. And so one thing like Jen said was territorial defense. So basically a territorial female telling another female to stay away um, and or a female guarding the territory, like while the male is away, which I I feel like away for the male might mean he's like off getting his extra pair copulation on with another bird. That was my first thought. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, hey, just because my husband's cheating on me doesn't mean that you get to encroach on my lawn. Fuck you, Margaret. (laughs) Someone has to hold the fort down, man. (laughs) 
but also i feel like i also saw a study and i cannot for the life of me remember what species it was but there was some female that would sing to actually solicit extra mm -hmm. pair copulations for herself um so yeah territorial defense is one purpose of female song um mate defense could be another one so mm -hmm. they think that some females might sing to tell other ladies that their mate is taken or they'll sometimes duet at which point the woman is like hey this is my mate stay the fuck away mm -hmm. <laughs> he's messing with some wet ass cloaca <laughs> <laughs> that shit is whack <laughs> <laughs> that was good um so yeah the, another function might be mate attraction so either a female is like competing for parental care from a male who like might have multiple female mates um or if a female loses her mate during the breeding season which is really sad to think mm -hmm. about they'll solicit like a new mate to come mm -hmm. to their territory that they're still kind of like holding down oh. um Wow, yeah, why is that so heartbreaking? Just picturing her singing like on her neck. Yeah, that's really, yeah, I mean, when we were studying loons sometimes, like, there was one time that a male got, like, tangled up in fishing line, and so he was like, we caught him and brought him to a rehabber, and he was okay. Oh, good, But, like, his mate was just, like, holding down the fort on the lake and, like, feeding the babies by herself, and it was... Yeah, she was such a strong single mom. I was so proud of her. What happened to the babies? Did they, they actually, all... they were fine. Oh, yeah, they, they were like okay. at an age where they should have been at least feeding themselves about half the time anyway. So mm. she was like, mm. if, it, if it had to happen, it was a good time for it to have happened. I was yeah. stressed for her. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, but the rehabbers, like, were able to get the hook out, and he hadn't swallowed anything that was lead, apparently, so it was, oh, everything good. was fine. He was fine. Yeah, <laughs> he was yeah, re-released on good. his lake. Um, which reminds me that if you hunt or fish, you should get rid of all of your lead things and buy yes. other things that are not yeah. lead. For real. PSA. And if you see shit like fishing line just tangled up at the edges of lakes <laughs> or Pick plastic anywhere, yeah, get that shit out. Oh. Flocktails PSA. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, thinking about like birds who are single moms, like not to really anthropomorphize here, but also like that's why <laughs> like for a loon, that's like having a bunch of babies, but they're like in a hammock that's on the water and you have to catch all the fish in your mouth to feed them. Like that's insane. <laughs> yeah, dude. Birds. One oh. at a time. We are so honored to like have birds in the world that we live in. Yes. <laughs> like, how do they ever right. survive? So, yeah, so those are kind of the re... Oh, and then coordination of breeding activities. So, like, potentially in species where the males are super flashy, the female will, like, sing to let them know that it's safe to approach the offspring and feed them because, like, the predator is gone because he might draw predators in if he's super flashy and pretty. Oh, mm. Yeah. So yeah, I think, but the greatest quote from this paper was like right towards the beginning, it said, a current interest in female songs stems partly from a growing interest in female mechanisms for the control of reproduction, and partly from increasing evidence that female song is neither as rare nor as functionless as, as was previously thought. <laughs> it's harsh. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty harsh. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, I think that one of the cool things about this paper is that it was written by a woman. Um, and Naomi E. Langmore is the only author, solo author, on mm, the paper. Nice. That's that's impressive. Whoa, solo author yeah. paper. Yeah. As a postdoc. Yeah. So she's not even, like, yeah. a faculty member. So a lot of people will do postdocs after they finish a PhD. They'll go to another lab and work as a, like, postdoctoral researcher. And so that's what she was doing at the time. But I also Googled her, and she's, like, a dynamo for understanding female bird songs. She's really cool. But Hell she's yeah. also not alone. So a paper just came out this past October in Animal Behavior. And it basically the goal was to look at who was studying female song. And they found that between 1997, when the study of female song really took off, and 2016, the scientists who are leading the drive to understand female song are largely women, which is really cool. That is powerful. Yeah. That's really cool. It is. And women held 68% of like first author positions. And for people who aren't in academia, first author means you did like most of the work, probably collected the data and definitely wrote the paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah, women mm-hmm. held 68% of first author positions on female birdsong papers, but only 44% on like general birdsong papers, which is a pretty striking mm-hmm. difference. Yeah. Yeah, so basically women were more likely than men to be authors and even more likely to be first authors on papers about female birdsong. So basically it's women who have reshaped, like, the study of female birdsong, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I also really appreciated, and this is my last thing, but the first limitation that they mentioned in their discussion section was that they looked at gender in a binary framework that totally doesn't reflect society or like gender identities of many folks. And they recommended further studies looking at people who don't necessarily identify as male, female binary, which I think is really cool and really important. I yes. love that. Yeah. Grab them. Wow. Yes. That is so great to hear just like mixed into a scientific discussion because I feel like yes. we're still so lacking in like, really important ways of thinking about how our psychology and our like like we might have a bias and that totally impacts our science and that's just been such a Mm -hmm. yeah we haven't discussed that enough so that's really cool to see a paper like actually acknowledge something like that hell yeah work I agree I was excited to see that and I'm excited to see what happens in the future as we get like more and more different types of people involved Mm -hmm. in like all fields of research but ecological research because that's the shit that i read Completely. <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> yeah ta-da okay cool <laughs> um so kristen just talked about who does female song research um i'm going to talk a little bit about um how widespread female song is in birds um particularly songbirds, because those are the group of birds that actually sing. Um, So there are at least 660 different songbird species that are known to have female song. Um, But there's likely many more just because it hasn't been studied a lot. Um, And Mm -hmm. there's these like really vast collections of bird songs and calls and other noises that birds make um and some of them don't have like information about if it was male or female um sometimes it can be misattributed to um, a male when it might have been a female um if people just assume Mm -hmm. that oh only males sing um 
So mm-hmm. there's still mm-hmm. a ton more to learn just because it hasn't been researched a lot. Um, and as Kristen mentioned before, there's this sort of historical geographic bias with how um, most ecological research has been conducted, but also birdsong research. Um, most of it's been conducted in the Northern Hemisphere, um, where fewer species actually have female song. For example, if research had been conducted in mainly tropical areas historically, then maybe we might have thought about female song like a long time before now. Um, A tropical distribution is one of the things that's associated with a higher prevalence of female song in bird species. Along with tropical distribution, along with year-round territoriality, convergent sex roles so that's where both of the parents do similar things within the pair um Mm. and sexual dichromatism in carotenoid pigments um so where what the fuck does that mean (laughs) well so like sexual dichromatism right would be between the male and the female differentiation in color um and carotenoid pigments are generally the yellows and reds and oranges And in species that have female song, the females are on average more colorful than in species without female song. Um, Whoa. So do you think it's, which direction do you think that it might, like, is there any indication of which direction that might go where it's like, because they have, because the females are more brightly colored, they sing, or is it like the other way around? The females that sing in, like, if you look at all of the bird species and you pick out the ones that have female bird song and you pick out the ones that don't have female song and you compare their colorations the species that have female bird song the females are more brightly colored than mm-hmm. the females of species that don't have female bird song so we have correlation mm-hmm. but maybe not causation yeah this is all correlation true um, <laughs> it's hard nice. to pick out some of the like you know what actually causes these things Totally. Um, so I said there were 660 songbird species in which female song is known to exist. Um, that's like 71% of species in 32 families that were surveyed for this study. Um, Whoa. And yes. female song has been identified as being present in the common ancestor of modern songbirds. So it didn't just like spontaneously <clears throat> arise in all of these different families and different bird species way back when songbirds branched off from the rest of the birds those females sang and some lost it and some retained it wow yeah so that's like super cool yeah so that basically means like a lot of the birds in north america where the females don't sing it's like the females lost their song Mm -hmm. in exchange for migration yeah wow trade-offs man (laughs) trade-offs Um, Damn, that's cool. Uh, also, like some really cool ways that you can look at, um, even in species in which they don't have female song, um, there's still evidence that there's still like signs of female song once occurring in the species. So you can look at mm-hmm. um, embryonic development and see what structures are present at different stages. And so Whoa. during mm-hmm. embryonic development, female songbirds that don't have female song, well, all female songbirds, um, but even the ones without female song, they develop the same brain region for singing that males develop. Um, But basically without male hormones sort of like 
activating that region after they develop, it atrophies in species that don't have female song. Um, But then these researchers took juvenile females of species that don't have song, and then Mm -hmm. they exposed them to these sort of more masculine hormones. So they pumped them full of testosterone. Yeah, basically. Um, (laughs) It sounded more chill when Ashley said it, though. (laughs) Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Because these researchers created transgender birds. Yeah, I don't know exactly what hormones they they used. Um, they said masculine hormones. I think it was testosterone. I looked at the paper. I mean, that's paper. like normally <laughs> the one, but yeah, yeah. Um, that's the one. <laughs> anyways, so these are trans birds. So anyway. I like it. Juvenile female birds of these species that don't have song, if they're exposed to the these sort of masculine hormones, they can develop the capacity for song. So that's like oh. another point of evidence that suggests it's ancestral and that they've lost it at some point along the way for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God, science is so cool. Right? Mm-hmm. I know, right? Mm-hmm. I'm freaking out right now. This is really cool. <laughs> Honestly, anytime like you start thinking about embryonic development, it's just like so interesting oh, and like God. such a combination of like something you can study, but also just totally like mysterious and unfathomable. Like, uh, science, so cool. Anyway, sorry, actually, yes. yeah. Oh, that's basically <laughs> just... all I have. Uh, yeah. Nice. Oh. That's really cool. Yeah. That's so cool. So uh, I'm gonna take this in a slightly less like broad overview direction and just focus in on a couple of species that happen to be, I'm realizing, completely centered in the Northern Hemisphere. And also I think <laughs> a lot of the first authors <laughs> on the papers I found are guys. So damn it. Classic. Sorry about that. I fucked up. But there's some pretty interesting things. So we've all been referencing this really incredible website called Female Bird Song. And I'm going to throw a quick link for a recording that I really love. It's the Black-Bellied Wren. It's really beautiful. It's this um, example of this pair countersinging or duetting. We talked a little bit about duetting earlier, um, but where they're singing this call together. And so like the male has a very specific part and the female does too. And they sing it um, just back and forth, but really quickly. It's really beautiful, like, how knitted together those two sounds are and just really made me think about, like, so far how, like, male-centered biology has been just ends up Mm -hmm. with us having such a, like, fractured and fragmented view of, like, the full picture of what's really happening in biology. And so it's so cool to see this, like, resurgent or, like, beginning of studying female song and we're, like, getting this full picture together, like, maybe for the first time, really, in, like, the formal, like, Western biology study. So super exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, Black-bellied wrens are a tropical species. They're found, I think their range is from, like, northern Colombia up to Costa Rica, and so this is a species that's non-migratory and the female sings. Um, I really love this song so much. It's so beautiful. It's, it's really, it's kind of like flute-like and just like mysterious and so well-coordinated. So I think the higher yes. pitch is the female and the lower pitch is the male. 
Um, but you like if they were close together in the field, you wouldn't even know which bird is which. Like they're just so coordinated like that, which is really cool. This winter, I was doing field work in Arizona and heard canyon wrens singing quite a lot too. And that's oh. also a species. It's a little bit nebulous actually, but there is a pretty distinct male call and female call. And then some overlap wow. where like no one knows who makes what sound <laughs> and they look really similar. <laughs> and so you have yeah. to just like observe the birds, like their behavior and the way they're interacting and how they're territorial and things like that to figure out like which, which call goes to. <laughs> but that's yeah. another really cool one too. But yeah, no, so fractured view of biology, um, focusing so much on male song. There's 660 species of um, songbirds where the female sings, like Ashley said. And I think... We only have recordings of 200 of those. Like, that's pathetic. Oh, like, biology's what? been going on for such a long time. Like, we've been studying this shit for <laughs> centuries. And, like, no one thought to record the other 460 females, like, singing. Like, ah. So that's mighty annoying. <laughs> like, we got to get our shit together here. <laughs> but Poor um, job, everyone. Step it up. I know. Right. And I think this is like a cool life history thing to think about. Like it's a, a piece of biology that we don't know yet, which is kind of exciting. Like there's still frontiers. Like for those of you, those of our listeners who are birders, <laughs> who are into backyard birding, like can't travel right now because of COVID. Like there is still so mm-hmm. much we can be learning about the behavior of even the birds that we think are like common neighborhood birds. So shout out to yeah. those, yeah. those species. Um, But also, I was thinking about how this could impact, like, the way that we think about bird populations and doing field work. Um, Mm -hmm. In my field work, I do a type of survey called a point count, which is a way of estimating bird populations. And basically, you go to, like like, a GPS point in the woods or whatever habitat type you're working in. You go there and you... For a set amount of time, like usually five minutes, sometimes 10, sometimes three, you just record every bird that you hear singing. You go during the breeding season, during like May and June, and you estimate the distance to the bird and you end up constructing like a population of birds in that area. But the whole thing is kind of based on assuming that most of those birds who are singing are males. And so if we're starting to learn more things about female song, it just makes you like that could really change the way we think about counting birds and estimating populations. And that's so important for like Mm. the way we do conservation and land management practices. So this is a hugely important part of bird research. Totally. Yeah, yeah, and point counts are fucking ubiquitous. Like, that's what we use to measure the size of bird populations for the most part. Right. And I think often, like, I was thinking back to when I was doing point counts for my, like, thesis research for my master's degree. And um, there were certain birds where I know the female call. Like, Acadian flycatchers is one. The male and female sound very different. And so I wouldn't count the females at all. It was all based on the males and like each singing male has a territory. And so you estimate a population kind of based around that piece of ecology. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it just makes you wonder, like, do we have a and I'm not saying like point counts are flawed because I think they're super useful. But just like how based that is on our understanding of birds biology, I think is really important to keep in mind. Where am I going with this? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> there is a paper that I read <laughs> that I'm going to tell you about. 
and I'm really stoked about it. It's about Cerulean Warblers, which like, oh my yeah. God, who does not want to be thinking about Cerulean Warblers all the time? What a bird, what a bird. What a They're bird. They're so gorgeous. Uh, so this is a neotropical migrant warbler species, um, winters in Central and South America, and nests in the eastern U.S. It's declining quite a bit, probably due to habitat loss, um, but that's a little bit unclear. And so there's a lot of research labs that are studying this bird. Um, and the one I'm looking at in particular in this paper is in Indiana and um, Indiana. <laughs> Kristen's home state. That's where I'm from. <laughs> and it's a really cool paper. Um, they published it just last year, I believe, in the yeah Wilson Journal of Ornithology. And um, so they were doing a different study where they were studying ceruleans and they were nest searching. So they had gone out and found where these warblers were nesting and were watching their nests for like, you know, seeing if they were successful, seeing how many chicks were fledged. And that already is such a cool study. But wait, um, Maya, are they are they ground nesters? No, they nest up in trees, um, like mid okay. mid story up into the canopy. And it's, wow. yeah, it's, they're so fucking hard to find. Honestly, they nest I was in, gonna, that'd be tough. <laughs> like, so tough. Yeah. And they, I think have an affinity throughout most of their range for like large trees and a diverse canopy structure. So like tall trees, oh short God. trees, usually on a slope. So it's like, <laughs> so you, you cannot find them. Yeah. Then. And they love especially grapevine tangles. So it's no, <laughs> it's hard. But they're such like beautiful little nests once you do find them. So anyways, this research team, like super badass. Already they have located Cerulean Warbler nests. <laughs> like, they're great. Impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so they're in southern Indiana, like this really foresty, hilly place. It's super beautiful. Um, the only hilly place in Indiana. True <laughs> story. Probably like, oh my god, probably the Hoosier National Forest. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Ceruleans love it apparently. So these guys had um, they'd found warblers and they were monitoring them during the year. And they heard an unusual noise coming from the nest and thought mm -hmm. it was like a nestling. I think at first. And then went back the next day and realized it was actually the female. And she was making a call that no one had ever heard before and had never recorded. Whoa. And so it was like a new sound Whoa. for Cerulean warblers. But it was just a call, like a, a call note. So a shorter note than a song. Um, but then about a week later, these researchers heard another female singing a completely new song that was like new to Ceruleans, which ah. is so cool. And it's a little bit unclear. Like, is that like a geographical variation thing or is it like is this more widespread but it's just so common for people to overlook female song because it's not a thing you're ever trained to look for necessarily in mm -hmm. so many cases of um studying temperate forest birds or just migratory birds that maybe lost that um so i just totally put, yeah, yeah yeah oh it's so interesting so this is a paper um the first author is Garrett McDonald and um, Clayton Delancey and Kamal Islam are also on that paper. So really recent one and the first ever like official quote official documentation of a female Australian warbler singing. So 
Really cool. This is Way a species cool. that we study a lot because it's declining. Like there are so many papers about them, and it's pretty wild to think that this really basic thing about the species is still kind of unknown. So yeah, I was really stoked about that. A similar thing happened with uh, dark-eyed juncos. I think this one is interesting because it ties back into what we were talking about before with. Um, Oh, with migration, With migration, yeah. Mm -hmm. So birds that are non-migratory and live close to the tropics, like evolving certain members of the species, like evolving this migratory life history and then losing female song. And so dark-eyed juncos did that. They kind of, um, they're migratory. They have distinct populations and are all over North America. There's like very northern populations, this summer, I was studying ones that um, nest in high elevations in the Appalachian Mountains and then migrate like down to the foot of the mountains in the winter. Mm. Um, but this was a non-migratory population in California featured in this paper. Uh. Um, this researcher, I think this is so funny. He did an experiment um, trying to see how if females had aggression towards intruders in their territories and if that involved song. Uh, because usually female juncos don't sing very often. If they do, it's like this very quiet song. And so this research team, um, Dustin Reichard, I don't know how you say that, of Ohio Wesleyan University. Yeah, so they were taking female juncos in cages and putting them in the center of like an active junco territory and seeing how the female of that territory responded to this like intruder. <laughs> some like fucking havoc in these territories so like the females in the cage like freaked out and the female of the territory like most often had a very strong reaction and came like hauling over like pissed at this female in the cage usually singing like a song that was usually associated with males and like doing all kinds of territorial displays like flanning her tail Damn. like fluffing up her feathers um and dark-eyed juncos have white feathers on the outer edges of their tails, so it's a really, like, flashy, noticeable visual cue. So that was happening. Mm -hmm. um, the males often were not defending the territory, but were like, oh, damn, who's this new lady here? <laughs> and so then the female from the territory would also be chasing the male away from the cage. <laughs> and this new female, while being super pissed at the female, it was like a whole thing. I mean, oh how would you feel if someone just airdropped a lady into the middle of your house and you had a no-good cheating husband? I, in a cage. <laughs> I, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think she has every right to be pissed off. <laughs> this is like a sitcom setup. I would be mighty confused. Yeah. Also about like the woman in the cage dropped into my home. Yeah, <laughs> maybe right. more so than anything else. But she's trying to seduce your no good husband. Like, that would be... Oh, no. <laughs> that no good Jimmy Brown... <laughs> So what else? There is this paper I think was interesting. I'm not reading the real paper right now. I'm reading a summary of it. Because academia sucks. Right? Yeah. I'm not a student right now. And so I don't have like login access to the 
library in our university, which therefore means it's so hard to get access to so much uh, information, like so many journals that publish articles don't have those just available for free. So mm-hmm. tough sometimes to get at all of this great information that is being brought to light right now by scientists. But we do it for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I guess the other thing is mm-hmm. just that, like, if you're if there's ever like an article that you want, like, straight up email the authors because they will probably send you a PDF of it, and they'll probably be happy yeah. to do it. Like, oh, authors completely. are super happy to get around that paywall. We need open access science. Ooh, period. Yeah, but anyways, <sighs> the end of this summary of the article. I had some interesting points. They were talking about how this population of birds had become non-migratory again. And then potentially because of that, that was why the female song had like started <laughs> to be noticed again. Oh. And I'm not sure if they ever, to be honest, if they ever like observed that in a situation where they hadn't put a different female in a cage in the middle of a territory. So maybe not mm-hmm. the most like natural setup. Doesn't sound like it, but... Right. And then they also have this, like, <laughs> ominous line at the end where they're talking about climate change, raising temperatures, causing tropical birds to expand their ranges, and therefore we're going to see more singing females in the higher latitudes. And they, like, try to end on that high note, which just, like, freaked me the hell out. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. So they thought that they stopped migrating, right? Because like potentially climate change was a thing, like temperatures were warmer, so birds didn't need to migrate. But also, I thought that maybe bird feeders were part of it too, like there was just more access to food in the winter, mm. so they didn't necessarily need to migrate. Yeah. I could be wrong. No, I think that's true, like more resources, and so that had been the limiting factor in the past. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. this is like referring to tropical bird species starting to expand their ranges north fast enough that we're just going to see more females singing. Whew. Yeah. All right. Well, were there other things? You know, I think that is all I had of recent female song paper updates. <laughs> Clearly exhaustive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, dude. Well, we said at the beginning this is not an exhaustive list of the research or the people that are doing the research i think we did pretty well mm-hmm. it's a good starter pack for female birds yeah <laughs> totally it's a gateway i think it's a cool subject though and definitely like something worth keeping an eye on and mm-hmm. i think there will definitely be more things in the next few years coming to light mm-hmm. in particular with this website we have mentioned the femalebirdsong.org and this is the platform for that citizen science project that we alluded to in the beginning um they're making an effort to try to get recordings of female birds singing and this is mm-hmm. important anywhere but in particular in tropical areas where there just aren't recordings yet of a lot of these species and it's used in research it's used to get a like a clearer picture of the biology of these bird species And like we said before, there's 660 species of songbirds where we know the female sings. Only 200 are recorded. So really cool project to be part of. Mm -hmm. So yeah, check it out. Speaking of things, you should check out. (laughs) (laughs) Smooth. (laughs) Brand new news, uh, which is very exciting. 
so we are on yes flack tales is now on google podcasts and we are also on spotify so tell your friends share us we also now have a store merch recording we will have some merch ashley do you want to tell everybody all of our listeners about where our merch is um you can find us on threadless.com yeah yeah so Flocktail Hour on Threadless. We are at Flocktail Hour on Facebook. We are Flocktail Hour on Instagram. And we are at Flocktails on Twitter. And our website is flocktailhour.wordpress.com. And remember that Flocktail is spelled F-L-O-C-K-T-A-L-E everywhere. Yes. Nice. You can also send us an email at flocktailspodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about some female bird songs or female birds that you like. Um, or just send us an email with, like, topics that you're interested in. I have a shout-out. Um, Woo! Buscando Fauna, who is a photographer and, uh, like, a video recorder of the environment and nature from Argentina. Mm. Um, so thank you, at Buscando Fauna on Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed our episode on female bird song. My name is Jen Schneiderman. I'm Kristen Brunk. I'm Ashley Ola. And I'm Maya Pershing. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> 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 <laughs>